So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now for the review of the day. All right, I got a five-star review from James Taylor. James Taylor says, a greatly insightful podcast. He says, a great podcast that was introduced to me by Karen Briscoe. I just listened to Pat Hyman and Daniel Ramsey speak about leveraging VAs. Replete with value add and real-time examples of already successful brokers, they brought invaluable tactics to grow any real estate firm. I'm looking forward to tuning in to more episodes. Thanks, Pat. James Taylor. And he puts author of Dominate Real Estate. Nice little plug there, James. I don't mind. I'll have to check out your book. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please... Subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. Rockstar Nation, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to stay to the end where our guests will be offering a free gift. As you know, all of our guests offer a free gift and all of these gifts can be found on the Agent Success Toolbox. You could find that by going to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply texting the word toolbox to 444-999 that's toolbox to 444-999 i am going to put today's free gift in today's show notes but if you want all of them including gifts from most of our guests that have come on the show just go to the agent success toolbox What's up, Rockstar Nation? My name is Ian Lobos, and I'm filling in for Pat Hyben today. Super honored to be here. I'm a Baltimore real estate agent and team owner, and I'm in the hot seat. And I've got a really great show for you today. We've got Emmanuel Guarino from Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to be talking about residential real estate. We're going to be talking about in a little different capacity, basically expanding your business into residential-assisted living facilities, diversifying your portfolio, and 10xing your cash flow. So, Emmanuel, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars, man. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Ian. Yeah, our pleasure. So, first and foremost, you got to break this down. We mm. want to, before you get into it, I want to know what you were doing before you got into residential assisted living and then how you kind of segued yourself into this business. Yeah, that's a great question. So, a little bit of background on uh, myself and uh, my family business and my father. So, my father. Just to take it back even one step further, uh, Gene Garino, he was a real estate investor and he was investing in single family homes and the returns were okay, but he said, you know what, there's got to be something better out there. And he had heard about this concept, residential assisted living before, and he had heard about it about 15 years ago. And there was this guy on the front of the stage and he's like, you got to do assisted living. It's the best thing ever. Get into this. And he's like, awesome. So he goes up and he talks to the guy and he says, how do I do it? And the guy says, well, I don't actually do it. I just think 
you should do it. And it was like, oh my goodness. You know, we've all met people like that, right? Yeah. 500 pound gym teacher who says, go run around the track while they're drinking yeah. their, you know, Coca-Cola. Yeah. So my dad, he didn't know what to do. And my grandmother in upstate New York, she was starting to, you know, get older. And, you know, just simply put it, you know, we'd go up to visit her. We lived in Arizona. She lived in upstate New York. We'd visit her and, you know, she'd left the garage door open and the oven stove would be on. And we'd ask her, did you take your medication? And she'd say, well, I don't remember. And we said, okay, this isn't good. You know, we need to figure this whole thing out because she's kind of a danger living on her own, right? And I used to wonder, how is she driving herself around? At that point, we said, we got to figure something out. So then, you know, the obvious thing is, okay, let's move her into a giant facility, right? And why wouldn't everyone want to just move into one of those, right? And, And you've heard older people say, don't ever move me into one of those big nursing homes and things like that. And so we said, you know, maybe that isn't the way to go because if someone's 85 or 90 years old, and they live thousands and thousands of feet away from the dining room, and their room is really hard to find once they've eaten and stuff like that. Yep. It's not really the best concept for someone at that age, similar to the idea of a hotel versus an Airbnb. My wife and I just went to Europe, and we said, we want to stay in Airbnbs because it's a home, right? It's yep, not a exactly. hotel and things like that. So we said it's a much better fit. And so at that point, we said, well, the facility's out. Why don't we move somebody into the home to live with her? That's really expensive. To hire a company, to hire someone to bring them out there is about $24 an hour. And then you also have a stranger in your home at that point and have to pay for supplies. So that was really expensive. So we said, let's start one of these homes. So we came back to Arizona. We actually started the process of starting these homes. And people were coming up to us asking, you know, what are you doing? You got these old people. You got these houses. You're making all this money. (laughs) What's happening, you know? And And we started showing people, you know, this is what we're doing and we're able to help a lot of people and make a lot of money. But coming back to the original question of how I got involved in this, you know, probably about five, six years ago, I was in college and I was waiting tables and my dad had told me about this, right? And he had started these homes and I said, okay, dad, you know, it's your dad, right? You never listened to the advice your parents gave, but, you know, he handed me the purple book, right? Rich dad, poor dad. And I read through that book and I was like, this is incredible. This is so cool. And he took me on a cruise and it was a real estate cruise. And on that cruise, Robert Kiyosaki was there. And I went, oh my goodness. And I'm like, it's the guy from the book. And he's there. And he walked up to my dad and he said, hey, you're that assisted living guy. I got some questions for you because I'm doing this now. I want to get into this space. I want to ask you some questions. And I went, oh my goodness. Robert Kiyosaki's talking to my dad, that would make ipso facto my dad my hero. And so for me, that's when it all clicked for me. And I said, I got to get involved in this one way or another. So I went out to the class, we teach a course on how to do this. And I went out and I was in college at the time. I said, Dad, what can I do to help? Just tell me anything. And he said, you know what, some of our students, they need houses. So just start finding deals, start finding houses. So I went out, I'm in college. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I just went out there and I just started calling as many homeowners as I could, as many assisted living homeowners, I mean. And I just said, hey, I got people who want to buy your home. You know, can I come by and see it? And I saw a lot of good deals, bad deals. And I learned a lot of lessons early on from just making a bunch of cold calls, you know, about 100 a day and just really getting those reps in. And what I learned was how to save time, how to save effort, you know, and what deals are good deals and what deals are bad deals. Before we jumped on air, 
you know, you and I were talking about, you know, I got this deal and I don't know if it's a good deal or bad deal and let's look it over. And that was one of the big things is finding out how to evaluate these deals to make sure it's a good deal and something we want to move forward with. So at that point, you know, got into it and uh, started having some success, you know, got my real estate license and my wife and I were getting married. And we had to go on our honeymoon. I had, uh, let me rephrase that. We were about to go on our honeymoon, but I was so busy with work. And I just said, babe, I want to go to Italy. I want to go to Europe. I want to have this amazing honeymoon, but I can't leave because my business, I'm so entangled in it. And, you know, at that point she said, Hey, I want to help. I'm listening to you talk to all these people. I, I pretty much get it. And she had been in around the business and she understood it. So at that point, you know, we became a team of two. And and so really that's what we do now is, you know, we're husband and wife team. And, you know, we work specifically on assisted living homes and then homes that would be appropriate to be converted into assisted livings. So that's what we mainly specialize in. We kind of split those duties. You know, some days she's doing 80% of the work and some days I'm doing 80% of the work. But, you know, we work together and it's a really cool thing being able to do that. That's awesome. So now we got to back up a ton and dig yeah, into a lot. I know. Of I get, I, there's a whole lot there. <laughs> so how does, I guess, how, how do you find the right deal? You know, I was telling mm-hmm. you that I have one that's already an assisted living facility. Yeah. But are you going after houses that are not already assisted living or are you going after only assisted living facilities? And then the additional question is, is it zoning? Is it planning? How do you know like that you're looking at something that has potential? Yeah, a lot of great questions there. So the first one is, are we looking at existing businesses or homes that could be converted for this? And we're really looking at both, but mostly the ones that we're reaching out to are existing homes. And the way to find out if that's a good deal is, you know, there's a lot that goes into that, right? So let's say for an example, because some people are saying, well, why would I even want to do this residential assisted living thing, selling it or owning one of these homes and investing? And, you know, just in kind of a nutshell for you, you know, basic example, the average that it costs to live in an assisted living in the U.S. in a private bedroom in an assisted living is $4,000 a month to live there. $4,000 a month. And so in a home, right, an assisted living home, you might have 10 people living in that home. So that home is bringing in a potential gross income of $40,000 a month. So that's a lot, right? Now, some people are going, well, hold on, hold on. Isn't that like highway robbery? You're taking these old people, taking all their money, and what's going on? Well, when someone moves into an assisted living, right, that $4,000, that's covering their food, that's covering their house, that's covering all their bills, all their care, their laundry, their food, their everything is included in there. And it was funny because my wife and I, we were walking through uh, one of the homes, and we were going, you know what? It might actually be cheaper for us to move in here. And that way we can have a caregiver taking care of us and everything. And, and that'd be really good. <laughs> so it's kind of funny from that standpoint. But one of the big things is, so we have in this example, right? We have 10 residents in a home. They're each paying $4,000 a month to live there. So the home is bringing in $40,000. Explain real quick. What's this home look like? Is it where you are like on camera right now or is it? Because I, I see these assisted living places and they're like run down, beat up, junk. Right. How, how right. are you putting 10 people in a house and find a 10 bedroom home? Yeah, that's a great question. So really there's three ways to do this. You can do a custom home, right? So building it from scratch, yep. you can convert a home or you can buy an existing business. 
And for the example that we we're going through there, you know, if I have 10 people, 4,000 a month, home is bringing in 40,000 each month, I have expenses, right? So my expenses are my caregivers, my food, electricity, all of that. So that might be 20 to 25,000. So with that given example, at the end of that month, that one home might be netting 10, 15, $20,000 a month of income. Oh yeah. So that's the big thing of what we do is we teach on which areas to do this in, how to convert them, how to staff them, market them, get them licensed. We teach that process with the Residential Assisted Living Academy. And then what I do is I sell these homes on the side of that as well. Dude, that's awesome. So I have a lot more questions. So I love it. when you find a home, let's say, like for instance, the one that I was telling you about, it was a five bedroom, two, three full baths, mm-hmm. and it was it was already an assisted living home. We were just buying it, yep. and the the guy who was running the facility was paying eighteen hundred bucks a month. Mm. Right? Interesting. Yep. Rent, rent, and I said to the owner, you know, this is. There's a lot more money to be made here. I guarantee you this guy's making quadruple, if not more mm-hmm. than that, every month. He could afford yep. to bump his rent. The reason we didn't go through it go through with it is because he wouldn't he wouldn't come up, the operator wouldn't come up. Mm-hmm. How do you you know, how do you go about finding these homes? Like mm-hmm. are they on the MLS? Are they on commercial sites? Question. Yeah. So really every state for the most part, the Department of Health Services, that's gonna be the government website that's overseeing these homes, the Department of Health Services. If a home is licensed, they're going to go through a process with the city, with the state. The state and the city is going to make sure it's safe. You know, it's in a good area. It's appropriate for those seniors. Those owners have a good background check. They're going to make sure that it's safe. So that's a place where you can find existing homes that are already licensed and reach out to them that way. Yep. Okay. And then how do you go about getting a home how do you know if you if you go and purchase a home that it can be licensed or it's in the right area are there like zoning requirements or their density like so it's going to be zoned as a single family home it might be a single family home that's a residential assisted living right but it's not a commercial property what you're going to want to do is check with the city check with the state make sure that that area is appropriate every state and every city every county for that matter is going to be a little bit different So as an example, in Scottsdale, Arizona, right, your home has to be at least a quarter mile away from the next closest care home because they want to make sure that the homes aren't right on top of each other, just like you're saying. So if I pick a home and I say, I'm going to start it here, but I'm too close to another home, then I might not even be allowed to do it. That'd be a bad thing to do. And that's what we teach on at the class is how to avoid mistakes like that. But in another, oh, yeah, go ahead. Literally any home could be an assisted living. Well, that's one of the big things is, you know, with federal fair housing laws, privacy rules, any home can be in assisted living, but just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? Right, That's a big thing with this is that, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Legally, you can do one of these homes wherever you like, but if the state and the city say, hey, we don't want you to have it here, you know, you can go to court and sue them and yeah, you're probably going to win, but is that the goal at the end of the day, right? So. We want to do it where it makes the most sense. So as a good example, in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, you can have 10 residents in a home. In Chandler, Arizona, you can have five residents in a home as a maximum. So if I can have twice as many residents, I'd rather do it there because coming back to that example, right, we were talking about the $40,000 a month, you know, 10 residents. 
let's say I had 10 residents in that home, but instead of paying $4,000 a month, they were paying $2,000 a month. So now the home's bringing in $20,000 a month of income. And that sounds like a lot of money, but when we calculate in our expenses, if I'm bringing in 20,000 and I get 20 to 25,000 in expenses, that's not a good deal. So I wouldn't even focus in on that home. I'd want to do one in a nicer area uh, where we're able to get higher rates from that standpoint. That makes so sense. explain to me what type of house can can house 10 people plus the staff lives there, right? So the staff can live there, right? You can do a live-in model or you can do shift model. We do a shift model personally. So either one of those is going to work just fine. Explain those. Mm-hmm. So a shift model is they're going to be on for 12 hours. You know, a new crew comes in for 12 hours. They're taking care of the residents. So in our home during the day, we have a one to five caregiver to resident ratio. So we have two caregivers on during the day, one on during the night in that home. Now, the question was, what type of home would be appropriate for this? So ideally, it's a ranch style home. We have a home in Phoenix, Arizona. It's a 10 bedroom, five bathroom home. It was an existing business that we bought. That was one way that we spoke about how you can get started in this. Yep. It was an existing business. Our second home that we did was a five bedroom, four bathroom home that we converted into a nine bedroom, six bathroom home. See, one of the big things is with a private room, you're usually able to charge more money for a private room. It's an amenity. Because if you think about if you go to a hotel tonight and you said, I want a private room, they say, okay, it's going to be a $100. But what if they gave you a second option and they said, I'll give you a shared room with a total stranger for $75. Which one would you choose? You know, you'd be like, I'll pay the extra 25 bucks. The same idea in these homes as well. And the more bathrooms, the better, right? Because there's a lot of people in there. So we want to make sure we have enough bathrooms. But that's also an amenity. Right. So that family, when they're touring the home, seeing, hey, this has more private rooms, more private bathrooms, that's a plus. So usually you can charge more for that. Tribeofmillionaires.com. Guys, write that down. Rockstar Nation got a free special offer for you. Now, I've just written a book and it's just been published co-authored it with david osborne who's been on this show multiple times if you don't know david he is one of the top execs at keller williams real estate was personally mentored for the last two decades by gary keller himself and he's in all kinds of businesses his bio and explanation and, and everything is in this book but anyways david and i got together we decided to write a book we called it tribe of millionaires and i guarantee you it's going to change your life To find out more, just go to tribeofmillionaires.com. We're going to give it to you absolutely free. Only thing we ask in return is, of course, number one, you pay the shipping. Not a big deal. But number two, that you go on Amazon and write us a review. We're really looking to get an incredible amount of reviews. And because of that, we're giving this book away for free. Go to tribeofmillionaires.com today. There's so, I have so many questions for you. This is a really fascinating right, right? topic. I really, this is really cool. As far as your like systems and procedures, how many units, how many homes do you have now? And are they all people of a certain age? Is it people in their sixties that just want to be, you know, assisted? Maybe their spouse died, and they, or is it people that are that are just kind of bedridden? What yeah. is it? 
Yeah. So the first question was how many homes we have. We have three residential assisted living homes that are licensed for 10. And when we were going over that example of how much money these homes can really make, I mean, really, how many of those do you need to, to get by and really to thrive at the end of the exactly. day? So we have, you know, three homes. We've helped open over about 200 homes across the U.S. right now. The For your rest, students? From our students. Yep. Yep. Got it. And, you know, in these homes, there's, when you think of senior care, there's kind of like three levels. You have independent living which might be someone who's 65, 75, right? Roll in showers, maybe a communal area in the middle of the community where they can eat dinner, activities, but it's independent. They don't need any help at all, really, right? They might need a little bit of help, but not really that much. So that's not necessarily what we're focused on. What we're focused on is the next level up, assisted living. So what that is, is we're helping them out with ADLs, activities of daily living, cooking, cleaning, getting up and out of bed, bathing, showering, right? All these things that we do every day, but we don't think about, you know, needing help with, they need help with those activities. Now it's not medical. That would be the next level, which is a nursing home. And a nursing home is where, you know, you got doctors and nurses and things like that. In our home, we have caregivers. So they're taking care of, like I was saying, the activities of daily living. So a resident in our home might be between you know, 80 to 95, probably somewhere in that range is going to be the vast majority of our residents. Okay. How, how do you find the staff members? Are they trained specifically? I almost feel, I feel like there's so many people just wouldn't want to deal with all that, but there, I guess there are people specifically trained. Yeah. Do you guys go through, I want to talk about your systems and procedures as well. Do you guys go through and have a, a procedure and a system, obviously for, for staffing and, and hiring? Because that's one hire that you don't want to get wrong. That's right. That's exactly right. So one of the biggest things is, you know, if you put out an ad right on monster.com, jobs.com, you'll get tons of people flooding in uh, for that position. But that's not the challenge is finding the people. The one is finding the right people and retaining the right people. That's the biggest thing right there. And one of our uh, instructors, she has this great test. I love it. She's doing an interview with one of the caregivers and, you know, she's asking a question and all of a sudden she drops her pen. And it just drops on the floor. And if the caregiver reaches out to grab that pen, it already shows that, you know, hey, they want to help, they want to serve, and this and that, where other people might go, oh, oops, okay, you got it. All right, that's fine. Right. And so it's little things like that. And one of oh, the biggest yeah. things, you know, not to get too far off topic, but there was a study done, I think it was, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, I heard on one of his podcasts or something like that, where it was a better indicator, if you could look at someone's bedroom and someone's car, one time versus being able to interview that same person 10 times for one hour, one time a month, essentially. So because anybody can say anything in an interview, but how we deal with things in private is how we actually are, right? And so that's a big thing that we go over is how to find those right people and then how to test that they're the right people. And then the biggest thing is retaining, right? You were talking about that. Who wants to work in one of these homes? Well, it's a special person, right? It's a person who says, I want to help a lot of people. I care about helping a lot of people. And for all of our jobs, right, most of our jobs, if you work in a restaurant, right, you get paid to work there, but you might also get a little bit of food every night, right? A little bit extra off the plates and things like that. With this job, that secondary benefit is that you're helping people. You get to really make a difference in people's lives. So for some people, you know, that's really their calling right, is they want to help a lot of people. And that's what we want. We don't want somebody who's just coming in for a check. 
We want somebody who's coming in there to make a big difference. And that's what we teach on is how to find that out. I love that. So systems and procedures wise, so you have a system for finding, which you're not trying to find these in droves though. Because mm -hmm. if, they're, if they're kicking out, if you got a 10 bedroom, by the way, how big is a 10 bedroom house? That's a great question. So generally speaking, general rule of thumb, 300 to 500 square feet per resident. So if I had 10 residents, 3,000 to 5,000 square feet is going to fit them just fine. So are you taking communal spaces and making them bedrooms? Yeah. So, you know, where obviously they, where they hang out. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> you want to have a dining room, a living room, you know, all of that. But, you know, a big garage, right? If you walk into a home and you say, you got a three-car garage here. Well, these residents, they're not driving, right? They're right. past that stage. They need to live in this home for a reason. So that could be converted into three more bedrooms. A large master bedroom, right? That could be converted into two or three rooms. Because the residents in these homes, you know, they don't have a whole lot of stuff with them, right? They're moving from their home into this assisted living. And maybe their valuables are going with their children, and so they're moving in, they might have a bed, a dresser, you know, a nightstand, but they don't have a whole lot in there. So they don't need giant rooms, but a yeah. 10 by 10, 12 by 12 will fit them just fine. Got it. And so let's talk about, let's talk about some of the failures that you've experienced. I mm -hmm. think that's always entertaining for the audience. <laughs> I'm just running through all the questions that I have for you. So deal flow, you're not really, you're not really deal flowing. So I wanted to talk about how people can find deals. So mm -hmm. What are the few things you recommend for, for people to find deals? Then, hmm. I want, then I want to talk about a team structure, and then I want to talk about hiring and finding yeah. residents. So deal flow, what websites can people go to to just find deals? Or should they be searching a criteria of like a five-bedroom home in, an, in a hmm. suburban area with a garage and three bathrooms at least? And yep. then for you know, kind of doing their homework around there. Yeah. So one of the biggest things is when we're looking for deals, my wife and I is a good example. One of the first things that, you know, we'll do every morning is we jump on LoopNet, right? So the commercial essential MLS or Zillow right there. And we jump on the MLS. We check business opportunity listings. So we're checking that every day just to see what's out there. But realistically, the way to find the best deals is always going to be off market, right? So off market deals. What we do is we call the assisted living homeowners. And in Arizona, there might be 2,000 care homes. Out of those 2,000, we might be targeting 500 of them, right? Out of 500, you know, maybe 10% of them want to sell this year. So there's 50. 25 of them will be realistic. Right. You know, 10 of them are going to be in the areas that we want to focus in on. And we'll get five to 10 of those listings from that standpoint. So really, it's a numbers game at the end of the day, but calling, you know, and just saying, hey, are you interested in selling? I'd love to come see it. And building that relationship, because that's one of the big things with this business is building that relationship with those owners that they go, hey, I trust this person that they're going to get me the most amount of money for my business. But in regards to looking at deals online for converting a home, right, ideally, we'd like to do a ranch style home, like I said. But one of our most successful students there in Utah, they have a three story home and it's a really cool home. They actually have an elevator right in the middle. Oh, they you have said you have an elevator. Yeah. So you can definitely do it in a two or three story home. No question about that. But ideally, we'd like to do it in a ranch style home because it's just easier for them to get around from sure. that. Yep. Got it. And then as far as the, you know, in multifamily investing, strip malls, things, big commercial properties, people talk about the team being really, really, really crucial and important. What's your team structure look like? I know you mentioned it's just your wife and you, but mm -hmm. 
like, is there, are there admin staff? Is it, is your staff just the people that run the assisted living facility? Yeah. Well, really, back office? Probably. Yeah, I was going to say, there's two, two separate things. So, you know, my wife and I, we sell these homes. We specialize in that. And then we have the academy, which teaches on how to do it. And then we also have our homes as well. So with my wife and I, with what we do, really, it's, you know, we're reaching out to those people together. You know, we're really splitting that work right down the middle. It is a true, you know, 50-50 partnership from that standpoint. And so what's nice about uh, Becca, my wife, is that she's a very hard worker. I can trust her to do all the activities that I can. I travel around the country um, speaking on this topic, teaching on this topic. So I can leave at any point, and I know she can handle everything that's going on. Um, because one of the biggest things is relationships. You know, when we're selling one of these businesses, usually we're bringing the buyer and the seller together and yeah. we're doing dual agency, right? We're connecting both these sides. And one of the big things I would say, it's kind of like marrying two families together, right? It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not a sale. It's not a hard sale. It's we're going to lunch together, dinner together. You know, we're talking on the phone and, and there, it's a little bit different than a normal residential deal where we don't know the other person on the other side. We're just dealing sure. with the, you know, we're really bringing those sides together, marrying those families, making sure it's a good deal from that standpoint. So our business is a little bit different because we are focused on doing both sides and we're doing less deals, you know, uh, more expensive homes. You know, each one of our deals might be a million dollars. We do both sides of the deal and we might do, you know, five to 10 of those deals a year, right, on average. So we would bring in, you know, somewhere between 10 and $15 million of business each year on that one part of our business. Yeah, love that. Speaking and, and also uh, teaching on how to do it and running the homes as well. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. This is a quote from Mr. Bill Reed, who took my certified listing agent program. He says, looking to take your listing presentation to the next level. Listen, I've closed 100% of the appointments since I took Pat Hyben's certified listing agent. Five appointments, five new clients in 60 days. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. Now you can get the certified listing agent course. You can get the certified buyer agent course, which tells you how to close every single buyer that calls in if you want them. You get the certified team agent course, which teaches you how to build a dynamite team like Jeff Cohn, who teaches the course. It's like a 10-hour course from Omaha, Nebraska, Berkshire Hathaway's top agent, and seven other courses. Total of 11 courses, all five-star rated, only 97 bucks a month. If you paid for them individually on the website, they would cost over $10,000. And we are running a special now at futureofrealestatetraining.com where you can get them for $97 a month. That's all you can eat. $97 a month, all these courses. That's futureofrealestatetraining.com. Futureofrealestatetraining.com. Check it out. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Pat Hyben. And before we jump back into today's content, I want to tell you about an extraordinary offer from an extraordinary company. I'm talking about my Outdesk. If you haven't heard of my Outdesk, basically they are a virtual assistant company, a VA company that specializes in virtual assistance for real estate agents. Yeah, I'm talking about transaction coordinators, 
marketing assistants. I'm talking about ISAs, inside sales agents at Prospect, thousands and thousands of seller leads and buyer lead follow-ups. I mean, these guys are trained in this stuff specifically. You're not using a company that doesn't know or understand real estate sales. Four out of five of the top teams in the U.S. use my outdesk for their virtual assistants. And because I know the owner, Daniel Ramsey, I've known him for over a decade, and I know how awesome and incredible this company is and how it saves agents thousands and thousands of dollars every single week and makes them thousands and thousands of more every single week, we're going to give you a $400 coupon off of your first month of a virtual assistant and give you access and give you a free book entitled scaling your business with virtual professionals so you can like read it and look into it before you decide anything it's called scaling your business with virtual professionals and you can get it real easy all you got to do is text the word hyban h-i-b-a-n to 31996 that's h-i-b-a-n to 31996 and download your free book scaling your business with virtual professionals and don't forget to mention also that you get a $400 discount, which will give you a coupon for that when you download the book. Thank you guys, and I hope you enjoy and make a ton of money using my Outdesk. Who, pro who do you have a property manager or do you guys manage the properties? Great question. So within the home, the way that we structure that and the way that we teach and recommend on doing this is that in a home, there's caregivers who are taking care of the residents, right? They're taking care of the residents, whatever they need. And then we have a manager above them. And it's not a property manager, right? It's a manager of the business. Got it. They're going to be the ones who's overseeing the caregivers and the residents, making sure the residents are happy. The caregivers are happy doing their thing, uh, hiring and firing. And then above them is going to be us, right? The operator. And we're in charge of making sure that the manager is doing their job. So really, it's a much more hands-off approach. Um, tomorrow, I'm flying over to Dallas. You know, my father, he's in San Diego right now. So, you know, we are running a very more hands-off business. It's not completely hands-off. But we work on our business, not in our business. Yeah, I love I, that. You can obviously, you know, attest to that is if you're trying to do every little thing, you're not going to be able to scale and go very big from that no. standpoint. No, yeah. I love that. So, okay. And staffing, we kind of talked about a little bit. I want to talk about, before we get too late in the hour here, I want to talk about your course. You keep mentioning the course and yep. it's, it's really fascinating to me. The more I invest in, in multifamily real estate, the more I'm buying investment properties, this keeps popping up over and over and I've been ignoring it. And then once you and I set this call up and this podcast interview, I was like, you know what? There's a sign here. <laughs> it's like, you gotta pay attention to this because you're right. The baby boomer generation is, they're not going anywhere and they need to go somewhere. You know what I mean? They're not, I'm saying like they're, they're going to continue as the years go on. They're getting older. It's inevitable and they need to go somewhere to be taken care of, especially if they have family that's out of town, things like that. And, and, it, and let me ask you, insurance pays for most of this, right? Or it all That's a great question. So really there's three ways that residents are paying to be in these homes just in general. If someone cannot afford assisted living at all, right? They come to the state and they say, you know what? I need this care, but I can't afford $4,000. I need state aid. 
And so the state is going to make sure that this person indeed does need this money. And usually what they're willing to pay is somewhere around $2,000 a month for someone to move into that home. So like we talked about in that example, you know, if someone is in the home at $2,000 a month, we have 10 people there, the home's bringing in 20000 and those expenses are might be twenty to twenty-five, so that home would be losing money. So that's not necessarily what we focus on. We focus on private pay. So residents who can afford to be in the home pay four, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month to live there. And then there's also something that's called long-term care insurance. And that would be the insurance that you're referring to there is we've heard of health insurance and auto insurance. But long-term care insurance is for when someone needs assisted living. And that might pay $200 a day, $300 a day, six, seven, eight thousand a month for them to live in that home. And that's for as long as they need it. So that's really the main ways that we are focused in on those residents paying to be in those homes. Yep. So I have a question. Where, obviously I have a lot of questions. (laughs) They're all great questions. I love it. How do you know? that someone's going to want to live in that home. So let's say it's a person that can afford seven, $8,000 a month privately. They're probably used to a pretty decent lifestyle in most cases, a pretty decent home of their own. How do you know the demographic that's actually going to come and live in this home with a, a, with a, with a bunch of other people that they do not know in right. one little 12 by 12 room with a little activity space and a little dining area? Like, yeah. how do you, how do you, how do you know that? How do you research yeah. that? Well, one of the big things when someone is needing this level of care, right? The, usually the family goes home at Thanksgiving or Christmas and they see mom or dad. That's exactly what happened to us. I saw my grandmother and we're like, she needs some help. Yeah. So then it's, okay, do we move her into the bigger facility, right? And the reason why people don't necessarily love moving into the bigger facility is when we talk about a caregiver to resident ratio. In our home, we have a one to five caregiver right. to resident ratio. In a larger facility, it might be 1 to 10, 1 to 15, 1 to 20. And, you know, I'll tell you a crazy story in a second, but, you know, when we talk about level of care and, you know, having that attention, in our homes, our caregivers know our residents by name. In a larger facility, it's just, hey, what do you need? You know, it's not very personal. Now, just to further illustrate that point and why we're so passionate about this industry and helping people start these homes and start good quality homes. My father had a friend in Florida and his mother was in a very, very nice, large assisted living facility. And my friends, my dad's friend wanted to show him the facility. So they went by one night, they walked in, there's nobody at the front desk and they're walking around. They're trying to find the room that his mom was in. They find, they find it, they say hello and they're walking out and they see someone who's working there. And they say, I'm just curious how many people are working right now? And they say, well, we have three people on staff right now. Now, this was a 150-bed facility. How many people were on staff? Three people. Three people. That's dangerous. One to 50. So when someone sees that and then they come over to our home and they go, wow, you know, this is a one to five caregiver to resident ratio and the care is going to be more hands-on and you know, again, their own private room and it's a home, right? And a lot of people, you know, the idea of they're 90 years old and now they're going to go move into a facility with 300 strangers, that's a bit much, you know, for maybe us, right? We, we like that. We like to network and things like that. But for a lot of people, you know, they are much more reserved. 
And so being around a few people is better than being around 300 strangers. From yeah, I agree. I agree. Can you tell me about one of the biggest failures? Because this is a tough business. You're dealing with somebody's loved one, an older person. I mean, there's a law against, there's elder law. Like there's law against that specific demographic of people. Yeah. Can you well, tell me about I, one of your biggest failures? Yeah. I, you know, and there, I have to think of a, a couple of specific ones, but this one came to my mind when you're saying that. And this is a success, but really was it a success? We had a facility in Arizona that was for sale and it was one of the nicest facilities in the market. And it ended up selling for about $2.3 million. It was a residential home. It was incredible. 10,000 square feet, 10 wow. bedrooms, library, movie room, this and that, you name it. It was amazing. And we had that, uh, that facility sell to that person. And then we had one of our students start two homes about a mile down the road for about 2.4 million all in. He did 20 beds wow. and the other person did 10 beds. Now I went to this person's open house, the one who started the 10 beds, who bought the home for 2.4 and put in a couple hundred thousand. And I was do going uh, in that open house and I said, are you open? You know, have you started, you know, marketing to residents? He said, yeah, we've been open for about three months. And there was zero residents in that home. And Why is that? Like, oh my goodness. Now, meanwhile, our student down the street who did two homes for the same price had about 14 of his 20 beds filled in the same timeline. So when we talk about, you know, biggest failures, that's one of them that comes <laughs> to my mind where it's just like, oh my goodness. Um, you know, that's a really tough one. You know, another one uh, that comes to mind as well, more on the legal side of things, you know, there was a gentleman who reached out to me. He was a younger guy and, and he said, Hey, I want to get in this business. And I said, that's great. You know, we teach a course on this. And you know, if you're not going to take that course, find a mentor, learn how to do this business before getting in and just trying to figure it out on your own. Because like you're saying, there's people's lives involved. With yeah. This, right. It's more to it than just, you know, starting a home and putting a couple college kids in, right? There's some stuff that goes on in here. He didn't take my advice and he actually went with a different realtor who didn't have his best interest at heart. And, you know, unfortunately, he almost, you know, he just barely made it out of a lawsuit, but he almost ended up in jail because wow. of some paperwork, some this, some that. And the guy was so nice. He's a great guy, but he didn't take the proper steps to be prepared and do it safely, right? He just tried to figure it out on his own. And yeah. I people. it's kind of like, if I wanted to, I could become an open heart surgeon by practicing on people, but that's not the best way to do it, right? I'd right, rather right. learn from other people who have done it so that way I can save time, money, and effort and do it the right way. So that's the biggest thing is, you know, that's what we go over in the course. Like I was saying is we teach you how to do it the right way so that way you're not having to worry about the liability and doing it in the right area. We teach you how to do all those things. I love that, man. Well, this has been a lot of info, and I think it's new to a lot of people, which, I, which is why I really wanted to have you on, because this is something that is growing, it's not going to go anywhere, and it's, 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 get, it's, just, it's, a, it's a very profitable side to the investment business that if someone wants to, like I said earlier, you want to expand your portfolio, diversify your portfolio, I mean, instead of getting the 1% rule, you might be at the 5 or 10% rule right. with a oh, yeah. living facility in residential format. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so, a great place to be. I want to, um, anything else you want to say? And I'm going to get into, into your course and all that stuff right mm -hmm. now. So like anything else you want to kind of leave us with? 
You know, that's the big thing is if you're someone who's listening and you're just saying, you know what, I want to learn more about, you know, selling these homes or investing in these homes. And I know you're going to talk about it in a second, but yep. really that's why we created the academy because when we were getting into this business, nobody wanted to teach us how to do this the right way. Everyone said, I don't want to show you how to do it. Right. And they said, I want to give you my secrets. And then the people who would give free information, let's just say their information was free for a reason, right? Sure, it, it wasn't sure. worth anything. Or it was very expensive information that was free. And so when we started the academy, we wanted to do this because there's a lot of people who need help at this time of age. And you know, if anyone, any of your listeners have put someone into an assisted living, they know that feeling when they're putting their loved one in one of these homes and they're unsure, is this the best place for mom? And, and there's that guilty feeling of just doing that. And so when you know that you can put mom in a great place, that's a safe place, it's a really awesome feeling. So our motto at the Academy is do good and do well. If you help enough people, you can definitely help yourself financially. So make a lot of money, help a lot of people. That's what we're all about. That's really awesome, man. I really appreciate you being on. So Emmanuel Guarino, thanks for being a guest on Real Estate hey, Rockstar. Hey, my pleasure. And so if you want to get a hold of Emmanuel, you can find all of his info at Hybman Digital dot com backslash Emmanuel Guarino. I'm going to spell his last name is G-U-A-R-I-N-O. Mm -hmm. First name Emmanuel, E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, right? Yep. And they yeah. even use your website for him, R-E-L-101.com. R-E-L-101.com. That'll be a great one as well. So that's going to be up on Hyben Digital as well, Emmanuel's sure. website. So all of Emmanuel's info will be there. Remember, hybendigital.com backslash Emmanuel Guarino. Emmanuel, thanks so much for being on the show, man. My pleasure. Awesome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thanks That's for being on Real Estate Rockstars. And we look to we look to see your success in the future and talking to you like, you know, in a year from now to see if you've got a hundred units going on. I love it. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right, Emmanuel, thanks, man. And next time I'm out in Arizona, I dude, I want to come out and check out this operation. It's really impressive. That sounds good. We'd love to have you. Cool. Thanks, man. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger. Yes, the one finger that points at people and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, 
the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>